if we're honest, I think that as a church, I don't mean this particular church, I think of us the church in general, I think we end up in, we almost vacillate to extremes. We vacillate between the one there, you know, with the, the miser. We vacillate between the, sort of the miserly, so we, we must hold the money to ourselves. And the wild, let's give it away. And neither extreme is true. And what I want to do this morning is I want to have a look and actually see exactly what the Bible, what I think the Bible says. Some of you might not agree with me. However, I don't think it's just the church that goes between these two extremes. Let me give you an example. Um, Comet Relief, 2013. Fantastic achievement. One night, 75 million in 2013 was raised, and well over half of that goes abroad. Now, that's significant, because three months later, the Daily Mail did an online survey, and when they closed it, and it was still going strong, they'd collected 143,000 signatures in an online petition to significantly reduce overseas aid. Now, it's not quite as simple as it looks. I mean, they may not have been the same people, may, but I'll bet, I'll bet some of those people who put 143,000 saying, actually, they we must stop overseas aid, except when it's absolutely essential. It was as stark as that. I bet, I bet quite a lot of those 143,000 when Comic Relief was on, getting that card. See the, you see the two sides of the coin. It's not. It's it's really quite complicated. I think most people um, in society, most people, and a lot of people in the church, have got a very confused view of what we actually mean by our giving and how we actually handle our money. Well, let's have a look at this one. Offerings tithing and giving in general. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and build on what we did in the family service, also the excellent stuff that Barbara gave us last week. But um, I'll say this a couple of times. Please remember, when you come to giving, when you start come to think about giving, it comes with a health warning. Do you remember what I said at the family service? I started preparing for this, and... Uh, just more or less as soon as I prepared for it, um, started preparing for it, some friend of ours who works in a quite a exciting Christian work in Europe had a very, very real financial need. And I found I couldn't continue doing this unless I made a very substantial giving, a very substantial gift to her. I'm not going to tell you how much it was, but it was substantial. Don't worry, Sam, there's still a little bit left in the inheritance pot. No, no. <laughs> But I could, I could not in all conscience go on talking about giving unless I actually did that. Now, that's why I say it comes with a health warning. Well, why have I put that illustration up? Oh, I think it's because very often we feel confused. Sometimes we feel under pressure. And see what it actually says. Let's have a look, first of all, have a look in the Old Testament, which actually talks about it gives an outline of offerings as they were in the Old, Old Testament. Now, I cannot possibly do everything in, in the 25 minutes or so I've got. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to try and give you a flavor of the thing, overview. But please go away and do some homework yourself. But bearing in mind, it comes with a health warning. All right, let's have a quick look through this. Um, this is what was said in Nehemiah. Let me highlight a couple of things. Let me pick out the first thing. Have a look down, okay, to help pay, the, see what the offerings were for. The offerings in the Old Testament, the offerings that the people of God made, 
was to pay the expenses of the temple. It was to keep the temple running. It was to keep the temple operating. To keep the temple in good repair. That's what, that's what it was aimed for. Go down to the uh, one, two, third paragraph down. We, the people, priests and Levites, will draw lots each year to determine which clans provide wood to burn the sacrifices. The reason I put that in is this. The offerings were not some random thing. They weren't, you know, I feel like doing it. They weren't, I, you know, or we'll, we'll trust the luck or providence or whatever. No, they were actually planned. There was some system. There was some method behind them. The big challenge in this was not to neglect the house of God. And it starts to talk further down about tithing. We're going to have a look at tithing in a few minutes. But essentially, what you've got there in, ne in Nehemiah chapter 10, and if you want to know more, please get read through the books of the law. It's all there in some detail. But it outlines what tithing in the Old Testament was actually all about. However, um, what I don't think you've got here... I don't think you've got a rule book. I think what you've got here is a set of principles. I say you haven't got a rule book because what were they for? It was to support the temple. Well, I'm sorry, folks. We haven't got a physical temple. But we have got a work of God to support. And I think it's reasonable not to interpret that as a rule book, to inter interpret that as a principle that we as Christian people should be supporting the work of God. Agree? Thank goodness for that, I'd have to go home if you hadn't. <laughs> the important thing is that the, the Church of God should not be starved of funds. More about that later. Um, but, but let's have a look now at tithing. And for the, the purpose of the next five or ten minutes, I'm going to talk in terms of tithing as being 10% of your income. Tithing is interesting. Tithing is very interesting. Um, that Genesis chapter 14, and say, oh, if anybody wants the slides, you know, like I've said before, drop me an email, I'll slides to you, and you shall receive PowerPoint. Um, the um, Genesis 14, interesting little passage. Abraham has been on, been on a raid, basically, to rescue his relative Lot. And he takes a lot of plunder. And this rather bizarre character, Melchizedek, appears, who Abraham clearly recognizes as being important, um, and he gives Melchizedek 10% of his plunder. So it's going then. It was happening then in some form. Very interesting. Um, it's not just a Christian thing. A lot of Buddhists do it. A lot of Muslims do it. Jews certainly do it. So, but it's a very old and a very well-established custom. However, in terms of the law, in terms of the books of the law in the Old Testament, what was it actually there for? Well, surprise, surprise, in that passage in Numbers, and so you can look it up at your leisure, is to maintain the Levites. It's to maintain the priests. It was to maintain the, the full-time staff, if you like. Not a bad principle there. I'm just not convinced it's a rule, but it's not a bad principle. Do you see the difference I'm making between rule and principle? Yes? It was for festivals. It was to pay for festivals. And the major, major festivals they actually had in the temple it was to pay for this one. It doesn't just stop in the house of God. It doesn't just stop in the, in, in the family of God. In Deuteronomy, it makes it quite clear that every third year there's to be a tithe. So you see those two things, okay?
Now, that's the way tithing was actually presented in the Old Testament. Let me move away from that for a second and just show you something um, which has I've had more years than I care to think. I think I bought this when I was a student, I think. Um, Cruden's Concordance, wonderful book. Um, if you, I know it looks like it, it's probably worn better than me anyway. Um, but um, if you're serious about looking at the, what, the Bible, get hold of a concordance. This is good, and this is probably the, f this is the first one. And what he did was he, he went through and he listed um, every time a word is used in the Bible. However, what he said was this about tithes. In the New Testament, neither our Saviour nor his apostles have commanded anything in this affair of time. Okay? What he's saying is this, in terms of the New Testament, in terms of what Jesus said, in terms of what the apostles said, you can't support tithing from the New Testament. All right. People think immediately, hang on a minute, what about our friend Malachi? Well, let's have a look at what I said. Malachi, is it right for a person to cheat God? Of course, not yet, you're cheating me. How are you asking the matter of tithes and offerings? It cares to all of you that the whole nation is cheating me. Bring the full amount of your tithes to the temple so there will be plenty of food there. Put me to the test and you'll see that I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out on you in abundance all kinds of good things. That's what Malachi said. Okay, let's put it in context. Let's put it in the context of what was actually happening at the time. You do not look at a text on its own. You get the context, you ask yourself, what was being said at the time? What was it aimed for? How does it apply to us today? See the, see the argument? It's important. The context that, that Nehemiah was writing in, and you've seen that chart before, you're going to see it again if I'm preaching on Nehemiah in a few years. It gives you the indication of what's happening. Look at what's happening. Um, go down about two-thirds of the way through. Um, where we are. Um, yeah, Haggai. Haggai started prophetic ministry. Remember I spoke on, on Haggai a few weeks ago? Um, the temple starts to be rebuilt. Um, Nehemiah arrives about, oh, interesting this, about 70 years later. And the, the walls of, the Jeru of Jerusalem are rebuilt. And then Ezra um, leads the second return back from Babylon, the people who didn't want to go in the first wave. And he and his job, job is to actually bring into place the temple worship, which had lapsed. And the reason I'm saying that is this. That passage in Nehemiah deals, is actually says in the context of the restoration of temple worship. And the reason I'm saying that is this, is can we therefore interpret what Nehemiah is saying as a rule? No, I don't think we can. But I think we can, we can interpret it as a principle. Does that make sense? Let's have a look at tithing. Is it a good thing? Um, well, four questions it raised with me. It makes it, why is tithing a good thing? Well, first of all, if we accept the idea of a tithe, it helps us to recognize and be aware of our dependence on God. Now, hands up. I tithe. Don't I, Tony? I'm looking for evidence, thank goodness for that. <laughs> I tithe. To me, it's very important. Um, and one of these days, the banks, one of these days, the banks are going to say, no more checks. They wanted to for some time. I'm going to drive Tony around the bend at that point, because 
I will not pay my tithe by direct debit, by standing order rather. I could do. And in fact, if you look through my checkbook, you'll find, you know, I get to a whole checkbook sometimes, and the only check I've written in the whole checkbook will be to Living Word Community Church. Everything else I'll do electronically. Why? Because to me, it is important. I give that agreed, I've had amount that I've agreed with God into the offering, and it comes in the form of a check, because to me, that physical act is important. You might not agree with me. I know I'm not criticizing anybody who pays electronically. I you know, bless you if you do. do. I, will, I will admit, if I occasionally I've, I've, I've missed, missed you or been away, I will pay electronically and then catch up. But to me, paying with a check is important. Uh, I'm recognizing my dependence on God, my income. Um, the other thing about it is this. Um, it forces us to manage our finances. Over the years, I've worked with a few people who have had trouble with their finances. I've always encouraged people to tithe, although I do not believe it is a rule. I do believe it's a... One of the things I found is interesting is that when I've encouraged people to tithe, sometimes they actually haven't known what their income was, and they haven't known what their expenditure was. Well, if you're going to agree a percentage you're going to give away to the kingdom of God every month, you've got to know what your income is, you've got to know what your expenditure is, haven't you? And it's actually forced people to actually get a handle on their commitments. And it's, that, that, to me, is in line the Old Testament pre teaching that you plan. Making sense so far? Let me look at the um, third one. Remember what Malachi said? Um, Open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing such you will not be able to contain it. All right? Um, there's a man that a few of us will know, Roger Schofield. Brian referred to him in conversations of the week. Um, amazing man. He said this. I cannot afford not to tithe. If I do, I will miss out on the blessing of God. That was his view. Malachi does not say that you'll be blessed like the light. He doesn't say that. I have tithed regularly, but I'm sorry, God is not a slot machine. Do you put something in, something comes out automatically. I have tithed regularly for many years. Have I ever had large amounts of, do of dosh arrive Never happened to me. Do I, believe, do, I believe, do I believe I've been blessed in many, many ways? Yes. Having said that, there was a family some years ago who some of you might remember, um, I won't mention the name, but they, and I remember going, and I said, right, now, what are your finances like? Well, when they showed me, I nearly passed out. I mean, the finances <laughs> didn't exist, basically. Um, they were total, total mess. And we talked through various figures and so on. And then I, 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 I said, um, I said, okay, have you, um, have you ever thought of tithing? Now, all I can say is, I think that must have been prophetic, because that wasn't premeditated. I just found myself saying, um, uh, have, you ever th have you thought of tithing? And they said, what's that? So I explained the principle of tithing. Not the rule of tithing, I explained the principle of tithing. And fine, they started doing it. Uh, uh, to this day, I don't know how they managed to do it, because they only just about worked out how much money they had. And about a week later, um, he phoned me up and said, all right, thank you very much. You shouldn't have done that. Pardon? Well, a large box of groceries had arrived on their door. They don't know where it came from. The only people who know about that was me and Chris Williams. And I said to Chris, did you do it? Nope. I do not know how it happened, but it happened when they started tithing. Now, it's not a slot machine, but what I'm saying is tithing 
if you follow, the, follow it through as a promise and a principle, not a rule, has this ability to unlock blessing. Last thing. Does it have to be a tenth? In my view, no. Um, what it is, it's a commitment that you make to support the work of God. A tenth is a good place to start. The Old Testament certainly talks about tenth. I can't support that from the New Testament. However, what I can support from the New Testament, and you're going to have a look at some text in a little while, um, I can certainly support you planning your giving and making an agreement with God about how much you're actually going to pay. See the difference? Um, I certainly know folks who are absolutely scrupulous on being the tenth, but let me give you a challenge. And I'm not thinking about anybody here. There are some folks who can actually afford quite a bit more than the tenth. And I certainly know people who do, who pay more than the tenth. But the tenth is a good, is a good guidance. Um, there's also the issue whether you pay it before tax. I'm not going to get into that. Some of used to argue, argue like cats and dogs about whether it should be before tax or after tax. We still don't agree. I don't suppose we ever will. One of these days we'll have to ask God what he thinks and he'll probably tell us, but he hasn't told us so far. Um, but that is the situation. So that's, that, as far as I can see, is the situation on tithing. But don't forget, I'm doing this all very superficially. I'm very much relying upon you to do your homework. And trust me, it's worth doing, but it comes with a health warning. All right, let's have a look at New Testament. Well, the New Testament, there are one, two, three, four, five, six texts I've picked out there in the New Testament. Now, what I want you to do is this. I want you to get yourself into twos and threes. You thought you were going to sit there, didn't you? <laughs> I want you to get yourself into twos and threes, and I want you to have a look at those and see what those texts actually tell you about giving. Okay? I'm going to move on very quickly because I hear caffeine calling for some people. That's what I found. Yeah, be generous. Be cheerful. Privately. Do good. Yeah. Doesn't just mean doing, it, doing good in the church, it means doing good. Meet need. If you're in a position to meet the need, meet it. And lastly, be methodical about it doesn't mean to say be like you're tied up in a financial straitjacket. It doesn't mean that. But it means you actually plan and think and pray about what you're giving and how you're giving. Useful? Right. But for many years, tides at LWCC fluctuate wildly from month to month. They shouldn't do. Because the tithe, even working as a principle is our commitment. And I'm not talking about people who are playing catch-up. I'm talking about the fact that some folks do not tithe every month. There may be reasons, but what I'm saying is that if you're in that category, please think and pray about it. Because the tithes, in my view, and looking at what the Bible says on balance, should not fluctuate wildly. They're going to vary a little bit with shift work and overtime and so on, but they shouldn't fluctuate wildly, and they do.